Hey, my name's Louis, and welcome to. I'm just gonna go for it. Hey, I'm Louis, nutritionist and personal trainer, and it's my privilege to welcome you to the Between Two Plates podcast in association with Strength Vitality, where we discuss everything between gym plates and kitchen plates to do with fitness, nutrition, and mental health. It is amazing to have you back listening to the podcast. Due to some exciting changes around us moving venue, it meant that realistically recording the podcast was unachievable. And I've been saving three episodes from 2020 to drop once we relaunch, which is now. During this transition, we recorded this podcast in a fitness studio, so please do excuse the acoustics. In this episode, we'll be talking to Marcus Baxby of Newbie Nutrition, discussing food and the environment. With increasing care and interest into the impact of our lives, that they have on the environment and the health of our planet, it has given space for debate around how our eating decisions may impact the world around us. In such a polarizing topic, it's a complete pleasure being able to sit down with the powerfully intelligent, insightful and caring practitioner that is Captain Marcus. If anyone has any questions relating to any of the topics discussed in this interview, please don't hesitate to email me at louis at strengthvitality.com. Thank you again. And as always, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Right, Mr. Marcus, thank you so much for joining us. It is an absolute pleasure to pin you down, my friend. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Lou. Thanks for having me. Mate, thank you for coming on. I think you're offering, um, I've said this to you about a million times, but for the purpose of anyone listening, you offer such a lovely um, narrative, I think, on, the, on nutrition at the moment, something that's really useful and I suspect is only gonna get bigger and bigger. Um, I, normally I'll start with giving a bit of a background, but could we maybe start with your, if you have a philosophy on nutrition or where you think maybe you stand out in what you're, what you're talking about? Yeah, so I think we, we obviously share a similar background in terms of doing MNU. So from a, from a purely nutrition standpoint, I'm very much of the kind of evidence-based, science-based, uh, no BS crowd but then i think what you're referring to in terms of how i stand out is i'm also trying to help people with the sustainability side of things so the environmentally conscious uh people that either want to do a kind of vegan diet or want to just improve the environmental sustainability of their diet without having to go vegans so um catering to those sorts of people and that sort of thinking as well as the evidence-based nutrition stuff that you know and love so uh, um yeah i think it's something that i've been trying to do myself and to try and join all the dots together and tie everything together for a little while now so um i've kind of developed a service where i'm helping other people to do that as well so yeah it's cool i'm enjoying it oh man yes it's such and it, again something that i think is so needed so we've talked we, you've now given us sort of sort of the broad overview of that philosophy can we now dive into your background and, and where you come from to the place now where you've you've gone through this exploration and now you're helping people yeah sure so i uh, i guess starting off i i lived a lot of my life as a vegetarian um, kind of started off as a kind of skinny vegetarian. I, I started eating meat, started um, introducing meat, was still kind of uh, struggling to know what I wanted to achieve with nutrition and know the kind of the principles. I was playing a lot of football, kind of trying to read into nutrition and reading into kind of what people were eating, what footballers were eating, but that obviously consisted of 
reading interviews with footballers who <laughs> are regurgitating information that they've heard and it wasn't necessarily the joined up message that I was looking for. It was basically eat a lot of pasta. <laughs> that's what I ended up doing and wasn't really, was then wondering why it wasn't working for me. So um, ended up kind of really being interested in it, really being interested in kind of cooking my own food and interested in what food could do for me from a kind of performance and, and body composition point of view, um, started to get more into the body composition side of things. I think my my friends were trying to set me up with with girls who were kind of saying, yeah, it's, it's okay, but a little bit skinny for me. So I was like, right, I'm going to do something about this. <laughs> um, try and put on a bit of muscle. So started working towards that goal. And then uh, as I got more into it, um, started realizing that I'm actually really interested in the science side of things and how actually um, things work and things work in the body and started to, so I did precision nutrition, which was my first kind of nutrition qualification. And then obviously that um, moved to MNU. So graduated at, at the same time as yourself, Louis. So, yeah, man. Uh, and then, and then since then, obviously one, one of the things that, MNU teaches you as well as the kind of principles and nutrition and the, the science and the kind of performance, health, um, clinical nutrition, everything like that. It also obviously teaches you foundationally how to read research. So then when I was trying to look at the sustainability side of things, I had that set of skills to go away and say, okay, this is good information. This is not so good information. This is what the science actually tells us. So then since then, I've been kind of developing Newbie Nutrition, which is my kind of nutrition consultancy, um, and started the Healthy Planet Project, which is the sustainability side of things that I mentioned before. So, yeah, that's a kind of potted history, I suppose. <laughs> Mate, I love it. I love that you went, I love that you said about the girl thing as well. I read your website, so I knew, because you were, you were a vegetarian until you were 16, weren't you? That's right, yeah. That's, so... What was like the, so have you literally always been, was it you that decided when you were a child, like I don't want to eat meat? What was that? Uh, well, well my, my parents were vegetarian. Um, cool. So I, I kind of followed that side of things. That was kind of what was served at home. That was um, what I continued to eat outside of home. Um, and then I don't know if I reached a kind of rebellious teenager stage. I don't know if it was <laughs> as, as uh, extreme as that, but I just kind of wanted to start introducing meat, was reading a bit about protein at, at that stage. So, um, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't kind of, uh, well, it wasn't necessarily because I thought being vegetarian was a bad thing. It was just cool. I wanted to start trying to introduce meat and um, now I enjoy it. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you work with many vegetarians yeah yeah i think that the um the stuff that i'm doing in terms of sustainability naturally kind of attracts okay. a certain amount of vegetarians and vegans so um obviously because i've i've lived that life i can kind of relate to them and obviously through mnu and through the nutrition research you know kind of how to manage that sort of diet properly, which is probably something that I wasn't doing myself when I was a vegetarian. So, yeah. Okay. So looking back to when you were a vegetarian and you say that maybe you weren't managing all of those things uh, properly, are there some of the things that sort of stand out as like, I can't believe I was doing that or I wish I'd done that better? 
Yeah, I think I think the protein thing was probably the main thing that I didn't really realize was was so important. Um, so I was like, like I said before, I was eating a lot of pasta because I thought <laughs> that's what I needed to do. Um, and the the balance of my diet probably wasn't quite what it needed to be. It was it was probably a relatively healthy diet if you compare it to the kind of um, typical Western diet of lots of processed foods. I wasn't having a ton of processed foods. It was still kind of mainly vegetables and um, fruit and stuff like that. But the kind of macronutrient balance probably wasn't where it needed to be. Um, but I, I wasn't to know that at that time. <laughs> Yeah. When you're, um, so when you're, re you're absolutely right. I think one of the best things coming away from MNU was the ability to like be harnessed with the tools to understand how to read research. What is the, what, like, I, like you are, you'll be infinitely more well-read on this than me. And as you know, and I've seen you post about when, what the, uh, was it, what the health that came? No. Uh, was it what the health, the one produced by Joe, um, the big vegan doc that came out last year. Yes, uh, <clears throat> Game Changers. Maybe. Game Changers, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Like that prompted so much, I was like, right, I really need to get into this. And I found it yeah. so hard to sort of draw into this like research and because you're, you're navigating so much. So what is it like for you reading the research on that? Is it harder than navigating research on something like protein or fats, et cetera? I think it is, yeah, I think there is, still a lot of inherent bias in a lot of the um in a lot of the reporting of the research not necessarily the research itself okay. but the reporting of the research so if you take something like game changes it does seem to have some science in there like to the innocent observer there are there do seem to be these studies that the, the narrator is kind of throwing at you quite regularly um but the problem is that he's kind of misreporting it and it's it's not necessarily saying all the things that he wants it to conclude. So that's that's the kind of main issue. So um, as you said, in, in MNU, you kind of learn to discern what is good research and, and what isn't and what you can conclude from research and what you can't. So um, I think, I mean, the main the main fallacy that gets banded around around veganism is, is it's this kind of magically healthy diet and just by going vegan, just by eliminating meat products, you get automatically healthier, which we know is not necessarily the case if it's not being managed in, in the right way. You can still eat processed foods and a ton of Oreos and stuff like that yeah, and claim to be a vegan and that technically is a vegan diet. But if you're not managing it in the correct way, um, it's not necessarily healthier and equally you can eat meat and eat lots of fruits and vegetables and all the things that we know are good for us and be equally as healthy as a healthy vegan. So that's the kind of balance that I'm, I'm trying to strike the whole time with, um, with the interpretation of the research. Dude, that's fantastic. We, okay, well then with you, with the Healthy Planet Project and when you're, you said you often it attracts people who are already mindful of the environment. So like you're probably working with vegetarians and vegans already yeah what are some of the and you've already touched on it but are there other sort of misconceptions from that side of the camp where you're you're like well actually this is a misconception and you're having to address that with that group of people i, I think so yeah i think that yeah they're, they're sometimes a little bit hesitant to introduce meat 
um, and they're sometimes a little bit hesitant to kind of eat too much protein. Um, but we know that kind of okay. if, you're, if you're trying to lose weight, for example, protein's, protein's really satiating. It's really helpful in terms of weight loss. Um, and we know that from a body composition point of view, it's great in terms of muscle retention, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's, it's kind of knocking down those barriers from the people that come at it from a, a vegetarian already kind of environmentally friendly point of view. So I think, I think there's probably, this is a roundabout way of saying it, sorry, but there's a, probably right, right. Two, camp, two camps that people fall into that come to the Healthy Planet Project. They're either already environmentally conscious, possibly vegan, possibly vegetarian, but want to get healthier or lose a bit of body fat or gain muscle or whatever it might be. They've either nailed the sustainability side of things and want help with the nutrition side of things, or they've come at it from the other point of view where they have probably tried some of the nutrition stuff before and the sustainability side of things is new for them. So okay, both, cool. of those, both of those camps I'm kind of trying to help. So I think everyone everyone wants some, some of both. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to kind of strike that balance and join all of the dots and basically just inform people so that they can make an informed decision on, on what's best for them because there are kind of um, compromises at, at, at some, of the, some of the time that you need to make if you're going to, you need to kind of decide what your priorities are. Marcus, Sorry, you are the Batman. You are the Thank Batman you. of the nutrition industry. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Never been described as that before. <laughs> save it, that's yours. I'll take when, it. When, right, so actually maybe this is something that I definitely would appreciate some clarity on. When we are talking about food as it relates to the environment, what 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 are we talking about? Like, what can we what can our effect on the environment be? Are we talking like fossil fuels, like litter? Like, what what does that look like? Yeah, so I think uh, one of the common misconceptions is that is the impact comparatively that food has on the environment. So the first thing to say is kind of energy and burning fossil fuels through transport and, and um, kind of plane travel and industrial processes, so factories and stuff like that, ha plays a massively bigger part in harming the environment, giving off carbon emissions than food does. So food is actually only responsible for about 25% of overall carbon emissions. So um, that's kind of a common misconception because quite a lot of the press, uh, the kind of pro-vegan press or pro, I don't know what you want to call it, but yeah. quite a lot of the press is saying you must go vegan. That is the single most impactful thing that you can do for the environment. And actually that's not true. If you cut down plane travel, if you cut down yeah. um, transport by uh, carbon emitting vehicles, that actually has much more of an impact than uh, changing your diet. So that has to be set into, into context, first of all. Um, but food does, does have an impact on the environment. Um, the carbon emissions that are created through um, industrial process that, that are used to um, produce food, particularly, particularly meat. So, right. so kind of, um, and then within meat, particularly beef. So beef is kind of far and away the, the biggest offender, if you like, of, of carbon emissions. Um, but then 
yeah, there's compromises that you can make to kind of, if you don't want to cut out beef completely, you could just cut it back and that would have an impact. So it's, it's all about kind of taking a person from where they are now to yeah. a, a better place rather than going throw the kitchen sink and go all or nothing, which in, in a similar way to nutrition, we know is not necessarily very sustainable for people. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's a similar concept. Is that what, like the people coming to you with the, the Healthy Planning Project, are there, expect, do they have like broad expectations? I know you said you've got sort of two camps, but are, are they often, are they wanting it more as like an educative experience or are you seeing more people that are there for results, but they want to do so in a sustainable manner? I, I think uh, it's a bit of both, but I think the people that are most successful with it um, want, want results in a sustainable manner. Some people come to it for the education piece and, that, and that's fine. But um, ultimately, I think everyone will have some sort of body composition goal that they want to ultimately get to, even if they don't kind of reveal that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so those are the people that tend to have the most success from it is that they realize that they can achieve whatever that body composition goal is and do it in a sustainable way. So, yeah. Wicked. Now, if you're, so if you're looking at, um, if a meat eater comes to you and you've already, you've already said like, maybe it's like reducing like the quantity of beef they have, for example, what is the, like the tangible difference? And obviously we're talking broadly, but from someone who maybe starts with you and ends with you, not from a compositional perspective, but, but from what would you expect, sorry, as their dietary patterns to change from that first to last, what things would you notice that would be different, different from when they start with you and when they finish? Um, or lifestyle, or lifestyle. Yeah, may, maybe it, it could be an overall lifestyle thing and they, cool. they might kind of um, stop using as much plastic or, you know, the, the full um, kind of environmental sustainability. Yeah. In, terms, in terms of diet, I think it varies from person to person. Um, I just try and give the, the information and let them kind of make an informed decision. Um, so I think some people will want to then kind of see the information, want to reduce beef consumption, want to reduce um, some other meat consumption perhaps, um, or just kind of switch the types of meats that they're consuming or um, move from kind of a meat eating diet to a pescatarian diet, for example, or there's kind of various um, various conclusions that people can get to, but my I see my role as just kind of informing them Brilliant. and then allowing them to make an informed choice rather than forcing a, a particular diet down their throat necessarily. That's wicked. How did how does it generally get received? I mean, on like if we put like the environment to the side, like often if like with gen with general nutritionists, people come and like you said, most people have a compositional goal, whether they're aware of it or not. And let's say someone comes for fat loss, which is like super common most nutritionists will probably then end up talking about like sleep and like mental health and stuff. Even on those topics, people can be a bit like, huh? Like this isn't what I was here for. So how is it when you're talking about like, uh, like the, like the amount of time people are flying or that they're used to plastics and stuff. How is that generally, generally received by the people that you're working with? 
It, de it depends. I think the people that are purely there from a compositional perspective will will find it interesting, but will still be kind of focused more on, on the compositional stuff. And like you said, that, that encompasses sleep, it encompasses your relationship with food, which is all, also stuff that I talk about. So, um, yeah, I think there's, there's, there is something there for everyone. Sometimes the, the people that are there for, from a purely compositional perspective um, will kind of engage a little bit less probably with the, the environmental stuff, but they're, they're, they've been attracted to it because that is something that they're still interested in. So, um, yeah, I think it, it varies, but it usually goes down, goes down fairly well. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges that we face um, or, or that you're facing as a practitioner who is trying to be a proponent of these positive changes to the environment um, in terms of people's perception of how their food relates to the environment? I think from, from my perspective, with trying to tie together the um, fat loss, muscle gain, health side of things with the environmental side of things, I think people still think that they're mutually exclusive. I, I still think people think that you can't do both at the same time. It's either one or the other. Um, so yeah, I, that's the kind of biggest barrier mentally that I, I'm trying to overcome with people is kind of helping them to realize that you can do both and you can, um, you can kind of lose fat in an environmentally friendly way and be healthier at the same time. So yeah, yes. that's, that's the main thing. You can be hench and look after the environment. Like exactly. Exactly. Marcus said it, he said it. <laughs> Best of both worlds. Yeah. Now, what, what, what would you say to someone who, um, I've definitely been this person, uh, and I think we all can do this, even if it's like from a fat loss perspective or another nutritional perspective, is think, well, it's so small the changes I'm making, is there any point? So like, so someone coming in and having this perception like, well, if I'm not gonna go vegan, is there any point? How do you, how would you typically respond to that? Yeah, I think there's always something that you can do. It's like this, doing something is always better than doing nothing. So even if you think you're, this is the main issue with climate change in general, right? Is that it's such a global issue. It's such a issue that's kind of, worldwide affecting every single person that you feel that your individual actions are minute in in comparison whereas actually we know that if everyone does make a small change those small changes can add up to um something that's actually impactful on a global scale so yeah th there's always something that you can do um to kind of improve things incrementally and and you know from a from a fat loss perspective people come in and expect to lose three stone in a week and are disappointed when it when the rate falls short of that so um yeah we, we have to try and kind of keep people on the on the sensible path and realize that something's always always better than nothing 100 percent. you've uh you've already said about uh like you you view a role massively to inform your clients still let them sort of lead which i think is super important what does the journey look like from someone discovering you uh, to being in a position where you've given them that empowerment to being able to handle their own nutrition yeah so it, the time scale varies but generally um what i do is kind of introduce them to the healthy planet project and the the service through um 
14 days. So we have a 14 day free challenge, which we, we run and basically kind of introduces everyone to the concepts, gets people some results if they want to implement them over that short period of time. But then kind of we move on to working together as clients, um, as a group, and kind of implementing those changes over a longer period of time. So can be starts off as six weeks, but people can kind of extend it for as long as they feel they need to to achieve the results that they want to want to achieve. So um yeah, that's that's the kind of journey we, we I introduced them a kind of try before you buy sort of thing. <laughs> okay, cool. Um and then we kind of go from there. So yeah. Do you think there's space for more of what you do in other practitioners' work? So using the opportunity where practitioners are working with other individuals, but like, well, actually, it would be amazing if all practitioners were being more, um, giving more advice on this topic when they're working with people. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, the, like we said, if you know how to read research and know how to um, find out what is good information, and then there's there's no reason that you can't cater for that with with your own clients if you're an individual practitioner. I think in general, the the brands that are kind of doing well and uh, kind of growing in the public consciousness and in in the marketplace are the ones that are that have some sort of environmental conscience. I think the days of um, kind of oil guzzling corporations that don't think about the environment i think those are gone so even even the organizations whose um i suppose whose objectives were at odds with the environmental agenda at one stage are now coming towards the um environmental sustainability side of things so banks um, big retailers, stuff like that, they're all kind of moving towards an environmentally conscious uh, way of doing things. So I, I definitely think there's scope to implement that in, in nutrition as well. So, yeah. Oh, wait, mate, super positive. Love that. Where do you see the future of, uh, of a super broad question, but where do you see nutrition moving forward? And is it a positive move, like generally? So like the whole concept of nutrition as we move forward? Like public. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm a pretty positive person like yourself, Louis. So yeah, I'd like to think that it's it's moving in a positive direction. I think the more information that is available easily, which which definitely is through the internet and through social media, etc., the more the truth cuts through. So sure. I think that that fact alone means that people are going to be more informed about nutrition generally. So I think if you look at the average person now. The average person roughly knows what a calorie is, whereas if you ask them 20 years ago, they probably didn't. So I think the, the amount of information that's freely available means that people, the, the truth comes out eventually. So I think people are going to be more informed, more empowered to kind of make, make a change for themselves. Um, and I think our, our role is just kind of keeping people accountable to that and making sure that they have the right information and that they have uh, the handholding that they need and the encouragement that they need to kind of make the changes that they want. If you could click your fingers and make a, make a big positive impact as it relates to the industry of food, what would it be that you'd do? 
Wow. Uh, Would it be giving everyone insects to eat instead of me? <laughs> uh, um, maybe, yeah. I think, I think just kind of do, doing things... Um, doing things more naturally, I, I would say, rather than kind of mass farming and mass production of chickens and cows that, like there are, a commodity, treating the animals with a, a little bit more uh, respect and cool. um, doing things in a more sustainable way, I suppose. That's a, that's a broad term, but um, I think the, the factory farming and the mass production is at the root of a, a lot of the issues with okay. um, with the environment and, and also with the um, kind of relative health of the meat that gets produced as a result. So, yeah. So, are there ways of farming that are more sustainable and environmentally friendly? Yeah. Um, so, kind of organic farming, I, I suppose, is is the gold standard. Um, and, and bear in mind, obviously, that meat, however it's farmed, is um, more environmentally impactful than vegetables but there are, there are ways of producing meat in um, net carbon sinks which means that car more carbon gets absorbed than gets emitted um, so yeah there are these methods that that farmers are starting to use again it is moving in that direction generally um, as, as all industries are but it, it's slower with the uh, farming industry just because the incentives are aligned to right. produce as much meat as, as possible currently. So, yeah. And it's tough work, isn't it? Like, it's, like farming is tough work. Being like, guys, can you change what you do? Like, I'm already working 16 hours a day. <laughs> I can't do anything else. They have a hard life. They they work ridiculous hours. They have, um, yeah, they, they've got a bit tough. Sure. There's, I think one of the uh, one of the challenges that probably uh, is faced as well is the idea that, like you were saying, as you as a vegetarian, you became more and more aware of the value of protein when you started to go through like that self nutrition education. I think lots of meat eaters think that that means that you have to have a steak like four times a day, whereas as you know, that will not be the case. So if someone comes to you and they're like, Marcus, you've really got to justify to me why I'm not having four like slabs of cow a day. How would you be like, well, like, how would you talk them around into maybe a more variant approach? Yeah, I, th I guess it's just educating them about different sources of protein that are, yeah, are not <laughs> massive slabs of, of steak every day. Don't, don't get me wrong, I, I eat steak, cool. but not, not on a, a hugely regular basis. Um, and, and that's my choice based on the information that I have and based on the, the goals that I want to, um, that I want to achieve. So it, it's not, um, I'm not trying to kind of force people away from particular foods. I'm just trying to educate people, but yeah, educating them on, on different sources of protein. If you are vegan, here's how you would, um, get enough protein. Here's how you would hit the leucine threshold. If you want to build muscle, um, all of it is doable on a on a vegan diet if you if that's what you want to do. So yeah, it's it's more an, an education piece initially. Cool, awesome. Has it ever gone the other way? Have you ever worked with a vegan or a vegetarian who has thought that that's how they have to be for their food decisions to be ethical, and then you've educated them and they've gone like, and then they've started to eat meat because they realise that they it, it's they can do it sustainably or ethically. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that has happened. Wow, yeah. man. You are Batman! 
I think it, yeah, it's just I think when when people go vegan or go vegetarian for the wrong reasons, so for kind of trying to get magical health benefits or thinking that that it's the only way that they can they can eat and kind of have their conscience clear, um, then once that once the they're educated on yes, you can have a bit of meat if if that's what you want or. Um, you can introduce certain foods and they're going to help you in X, Y, and Z ways. Um, then the, I guess the trade-offs that they make in their mind change a little bit. And, um, yeah, so people, people can start to eat meat having been vegan, but equally go the other way and become vegan. So, yeah. That's brilliant. And you're giving them the space and the information to make that own journey for themselves, which is super important. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do, exactly. I think, I mean, just from talking to you, man, I think there's such a space. I know you're obviously working with clients, but I think there's such a space for like you to teach practitioners. Like I, 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 I'm going to ask you at the end about resources, but it is an area where it seems so muddled and confusing. And it's also an area of nutrition, which has become like identity nutrition. So people like, like, identify as a vegan or they identify as a carnivore or they identify as a vegetarian and as soon as it becomes about identification it any suggestion that change might be appropriate becomes an attack on oneself so it would be i think it'd be such a valuable area to think practitioners on as well yeah it, it's definitely definitely a, a huge challenge in when that when it becomes an identity thing a hundred percent um, because like you say, veganism is is a lifestyle for a lot of people rather than a, a dietary choice and anything that goes against that lifestyle. Unfortunately, you see it a lot on the internet, um, people in comment sections and stuff, wh when something goes against what they, they identify as, they take it very personally because it feels like they're being attacked personally by you saying something that opposes their their view of the world so yes yes it's definitely a difficult thing to to manage but um i'm trying <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you did a great job of it as well now if we're um if uh, people are listening and i know you <laughs> I know you're not doing a consultation with every single person listening <laughs> and they're like look I'm, I'm eating like a typical western diet uh, of which is omnivorous are there a couple of um, adjustments or suggestions that you can make that would have an impact if we all followed them on the environment? Um, I guess a, a big one would be um, reducing beef consumption and switching to smaller animals. So okay. uh, poultry or like, so chicken, turkey, stuff like that. So the, the amount of resources that goes into producing um, a kilo of beef, for example, is much more than a kilo of chicken. So okay. cows are bigger animals. They eat more. They use more resources. Um, they also emit a lot more methane, as people probably probably know. Um, whereas a chicken, it costs a lot, lot less to feed them. They use a lot less resources when they're eating. Um, so that, that that would be quite a quite a simple thing to implement if, if people did want to reduce the um, reduce the impact of their diet on the planet. Wicked. What's your uh, when you're going out for like dinner with friends or your fiance, still your fiance? 
Yes. Not married yet? Okay, cool. How, how is it like, what's the wedding plans looking like? We've uh, we've ploughed all our money into a house for, for the time being. So <laughs> wedding plans are on hold for the time being. Save money again. <laughs> that is a COVID secure decision to make. <laughs> we're currently, I'm, um, we're, I'm engaged at the moment and we've got our wedding plan for next year, but we're like, I have no idea if it's like, what's going to happen? I don't know what we're going to do. We've had quite a few of our friends have um, had to postpone either to next year or the year after because next year is already with loads of people. So, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, ho I hope you do get get chance to tie the knot. To do it. Well, thanks, man. Maybe maybe we'll be on the house train before. With um, Sorry, what I was going to ask you is how have you found your like philosophy of nutrition or how people perceive your philosophy of nutrition to be like uh, when you're in social occasions? Are people like mindful of how they're eating around you? Are they using you as a resource? They're asking you questions. How have you found that? I, th I think, yeah, people are generally interested in more from, I'd say more from a nutrition point of view than from an environmental point okay. of view at the moment. Because um, I think when, when I've not, seen people for a little while and they go oh you've you've got in shape or you've got you've started this new new business then people are interested cool. um from a nutrition point of view and they start to say well i eat this and then i eat this is this good like that yeah <laughs> get bits of information out of you um but yeah it i, I obviously find it interesting and i i don't mind having those conversations at all good yeah. what is the most common question you get whether it be from your friends or on instagram uh how do you trim your beard so well is that it? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a tough one actually um I'd, pro I'd probably say it's still around kind of carbs and sugar okay i still think that's um quite a common area where people are a little bit um afraid of carbs so yeah, that, that's the main thing. But I think people, a lot of people still assume they need to cut out carbs to lose weight, for example, or to get in shape or, or to do whatever they want to do. So I think that's still, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> still fighting that fight. Yeah, Is exactly. there, like, we've, we've talked about protein a lot. Is there, um, are there things that we can be mindful of relating to fat or carbs as they affect the environment? Because I think protein is quite an easy one to talk about because we're talking about meat. Are there decisions yeah. that you can make around fat and carbs that uh, can be? Um, less so from an environmental point of view. I mean, there, yeah. there's a few kind of nuances. So depending on where you get your avocados, for example, certain, um, so like some South American countries that produce avocados do so in a, a not very ethical way. I've used quite a lot of um, too cheap labour or, or from a not very environmental point of view. So, um, yeah, that that's a kind of nuance. But there's, you're right, there's less considerations around okay. carbs than there would be for protein because, like I say, um, the meat is, is predominantly protein. Do you, um, do you have any resources or places people could go? Uh, I'm going to also ask you about where people can find you, but... The, if they want to learn more about this and, and improve the envir their environmental impact? Yeah, so I think the, there's a really good um, resource in terms of the environmental sustainability of, of food in general, um, 
on a place called the world in data i don't know if you've you've heard about louis but yeah. um there's a, a recent Hannah Ritchie, who was recently on, um, I th actually, since I discovered this, she's been on Danny Lennon's pod podcast. Oh, wicked. Um, but yeah, she's done some really, really interesting work about the impact of, of food on the environment and the, its comparative impact. So if people are kind of uh, research geeks and want to go and look at that stuff, then the world in data is a really good place to go. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, I, I put quite a lot of stuff up on my on my blog. I'm trying to trying to be consistent with it. So um, either where, on my, where can people find you? Uh, so yeah, either either on my Instagram, which is uh, Marcus and an underscore, and then newbie underscore nutrition. So N E W B E E nutrition, um, or on my website, which is newbienutrition.com. Um, yeah, so I, I, the, those the kind of platforms that I am using at the moment. I know you've you've started a YouTube channel, haven't you, Louis? I'm, yeah, I'm man. Trying to get into that. So Do it. Yeah, you'll, you'll need to give me some tips on that. <laughs> <laughs> if you see my videos, you, you're not asking the right dude. <laughs> I mean, I'll be happy to. No, they're, happy. Good, mate. they're good. <laughs> the the world of technology now is unreal like the way we you you said about how the advances we made in terms of getting information through and i think technology's facilitated that especially in lockdown so yeah, much definitely yeah mark if i could give you an extra two hours a day what would you do with them uh i'd probably spend longer training than i am at the moment um, okay so yeah, some of it would be used for that. And I think um, just kind of continuing to read the research and making sure that I'm up to date with everything, um, I'd, I'd try and make sure I'm doing that. And, and yeah, start a YouTube channel, uh, yeah. get better at Instagram, all that stuff. So. <laughs> Marcus, do it, do it. I can't, like anyone listening, like I cannot recommend follow Marcus enough. You gave us your Instagram feed, but what if someone have you? Um, can we share your email in case anyone wants to reach out for coaching? I know you did the website as well. So it's just newbienutrition at gmail .com and I do my best to answer everyone fairly promptly. So <laughs> uh, yeah, n e w b e e nutrition at gmail .com. Success. Is there anything else that you wanted to add, my friend? No, just just thanks very much for having me on. It's um, it's the first time that I've probably discussed this in such detail in public. So it's great to great to have the chance to do that. So thank you very much, Lily. Oh man, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful for you being here. I can't wait to have you back on. Um, and to let you into a secret, I would like to do. Um, we did one roundtable podcast about CrossFit, but. I would like to do more of them. And one of the ones that are really high on my agenda is something on the environment. So you will definitely be on for that one. Um, nice. Yeah. Well, where are you based, Marcus? Uh, near Manchester. So okay, just... cool. Well, MNU is like in the center of the world. So we'll, we'll hone in on that area and we'll catch up. We'll have some beers and food and we'll record that. And that can be, that can be your first YouTube video. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> Wicked. Man, thank you so, so much. I'm very grateful and I'm very grateful for the work that you're doing. It is so important. Um, I've taken notes as you were speaking, so I'm like absolutely fascinated by it. Um, and yeah, I think people are very lucky to work with you. And the in, I would love you to eventually, when you have more time, if you could make if like, if you eventually have a service that coaches practitioners, I think that's needed and it would be very welcome. 
Thanks, Ali. Appreciate that. <laughs> not at all, man. Not at all. Marcus, thank you so much for your time and your insight. There's a lot of debate around every topic in nutrition. And I think particularly when we start to talk about the environment and how our eating decisions will affect the world around us, it becomes uh, even tougher because you're talking about morality and identity as well as nutrition uh, and food and fuel. So really grateful for everything that you're doing in, in the industry, the insight that you've shared with us today. Um, and also some practical tips uh, and sort of balancing out the expectation that unless you are 100% vegan, you live an absolute vegan lifestyle, uh, you can't do anything. I think now anyone listening to that who might have been that way inclined with their thought will know that actually there's lots that we can do and it doesn't need to be a dramatic shift. So thank you again, man. Thank you everyone for listening and I can't wait to see you on the next episode. Have a wonderful day.